Well, good morning and happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. You guys awake? She's not. It is a joy to be preaching this morning, and it's a bit of an extra joy, and it's kind of scary as well to be preaching with my daughter right here. Um, hopefully she won't be moved by the Spirit in any way, shape, or form, but keeps sleeping. Before I begin, will you please pray with me? Lord, we come before you asking for your wisdom as we hear and read your word. Holy Spirit, we ask for your presence to be felt in this place. And I ask that you speak through my human words, that they be transformed into words only hearts can hear. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So for the past three weeks, we've been going through the Apostles' Creed and discovering what is it that we actually believe when we recite these words. We've learned that the Apostles' Creed was written in 390 A.D., and it's been used in Christian education or catechists or catechesis for centuries, hundreds and hundreds of years. This creed has been repeated over and over by many denominations Presbyterians, Lutherans, Methodists, Catholics, the like, churches, and people individually, all professing the faith that this creed declares. So again, we read and repeat these words. You can follow along with me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So today we come to one particular line. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Full stop. I believe in the Holy Ghost. Mic drop. It seems that there's not much else to be said, right? Full stop. I believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Done. End of story. Right? Maybe this line is a little more complicated than meets the eye. That's what church history would tell us. The Nicene Creed, which is another creed that's very similar to the Apostles' Creed, adds more, saying that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, which that line alone caused a huge schism, but we don't have time to go into that one. If we had more hours in today's day, I'd suggest reading the Athanasius Creed, but like I said, we don't have all afternoon, and I don't think we all want to be here for that much time. So who is this Holy Spirit? And it's the weekend before Pentecost, so we're starting to think about the Holy Spirit. And more importantly, what are we saying when we say we believe in the Holy Spirit? What are we saying when we say we believe in the Holy Spirit? That is the question. Do we say we believe that the Holy Spirit exists and that's it? Or is there something more to it? So today we're turning to Romans chapter 8 beginning at verse 9, and we read this about the Holy Spirit. Romans was written by the Apostle Paul, who I believe was very moved by the Holy Spirit the minute he was traveling to Damascus. 
And he wrote this to the Roman church. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit. Since the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you. Though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him. This is from the NRSV. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oftentimes, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we think of passages such as John 14, when Jesus turns to his disciples before he's betrayed and he says, another is coming after me, which then the disciples go, what are you talking about? Why are you leaving? Where are you going? Some of us may turn to the book of Acts, which we will next week, which I think could be called the book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit rather than the church because it is the Holy Spirit doing the Acts. Instead, I want us to turn to Romans 8 because I think Paul brings so much attention to this third person of the Trinity that he brings attention to the Spirit's works and wonders through the individual Christian as well as the church holy. To give some background about Romans, it is a wonderful book. It is very theologically in-depth, and Paul is very thorough about Christ's victory over the law and sin. We get lots of great lines that all have fallen short, but there is grace for all. We get reminders that his death and resurrection was enough. So we come to this point in the letter after Paul has already explained the law is gone, Christ has defeated it, that sin is no longer bounding us, but now we're bound by the Spirit. And this isn't a one line from Paul saying, oh yeah, then there's this like Holy Spirit guy and you know, it's fine. No, 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 no. No, he has more of a different attitude. The Spirit changes everything, especially for Paul. To Paul, the Spirit's indwelling in a Christian, and certainly in the church, is the sign of life. It's the heartbeat. It's the vital signs that the Spirit of God is there. In fact, the verb that he uses to show indwelling is synonymous with occupying a residence or making a home. It's not that he just moves in, but he's setting up pillows on the couch. Right? He's putting the pots and pans away. He's picking out paper for the baby's room. You know, he's making room. He's making a simple statement. Maybe. Maybe it's more complicated. This is the Spirit of God. The pneuma, which is used 12 times in this one little passage. Pneuma, Spirit of God, also known as the breath of God. The breath of God. Taking residence in our hearts, in our lungs, and in the church. This is the same breath 
It's very synonymous. This is the same breath that fills in Adam's body in Genesis 2. This is the same breath that hovers over the waters in Genesis 1 before creating light. This is the same breath of God that creates and that fills Christ's ministry while he's here on earth. And it's the same that now gives us life as sons and daughters of God. So as I prepare for today, because there isn't one simple text about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is everywhere throughout the Scripture. Actually, Scripture is given life through the Spirit. So I went through and I wrote down some of the things that the Spirit does in us and through us and among us. This is not a comprehensive list. And I wrote it down so if anybody is interested. But it is remarkable what the Spirit does. So get ready, y'all. This is what I wrote down. The Spirit transforms us, convicts us, gives us gifts, gives us the words to speak, sustains us, sanctifies us, restores us, creates, gives courage, gives wisdom, helps us discern, makes us co-heirs with Christ, bears witness to Christ, anoints us, baptizes us, calls us, empowers us, seals our salvation, strengthens, teaches groans within us, empowers us, I think I already said that, produces fruit such as patience, faithfulness, joy, and peace. Later on, Paul writes that the Spirit intercedes for us with groans inward when we do not know how to pray or what to pray. The Spirit bears witness to our adoption as we read, making us children of God. And as we read in Psalm 139, the spirit, the ruach, the Hebrew word, the ruach, the breath of God is with us always from our very humble beginnings all the way to the depths of the soul in Sheol. That's amazing. That is a lot. The spirit does so much. The spirit brings life. When I read over this list and it's not comprehensive, like I said, I see life, the role of the spirit is to bring life and to sustain it. That is the role of the Spirit always. Since the beginning, since Genesis 1, the role has always been to bring forth life and to sustain it. But what does it mean to believe in it? Sure, we can say, yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Sure, great, it does all these wonderful things. But what does it mean to believe it? It must be more than just a simple statement. Pastor Dave has given us this example of standing on a foundation, staking a claim. What does that mean? I like this example. I'm not saying he's wrong. Don't fire me. He's not wrong. But my somewhat odd mind goes towards a different example. And I went to Christmas. Yeah, I know it's May, but Christmas lives in our hearts, right? And there's a line from the Christmas movie, The Santa Claus. Tim Allen playing Santa Claus. We all know this movie, right? It's hilarious. He shaves his beard and goes, I'm in big trouble because it comes right back. It's hilarious. So Tim Allen's character, for anyone who's not familiar, plays Scott Calvin and he becomes Santa Claus. And it is a hilarious movie and it's also just a joyful Christmas movie. And the first night Scott Calvin becomes Santa Claus, he goes back to the North Pole because the reindeers bring him back there. He's greeted by this little helper, and her name is Judy, and she's so adorable. And she reminds Scott Calvin, seeing isn't believing, but believing is seeing. Seeing isn't believing, but believing is seeing. This is not a sermon about faith 
or about me. And yes, you can talk about me at Alpha. It's fine. I can get over it. As a Christian, I have felt a struggle of taking a stance, so to speak, on the Holy Spirit when I don't fully understand the Holy Spirit. And how can we? Even today, I can't fully explain the Holy Spirit of who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does. But at times, it just feels hard to say I believe in the Spirit when I'm in a situation and I don't see the life that the Spirit brings. Does that make sense? That sometimes it's hard to say I believe in the Holy Spirit when we're in a situation that seems lacking God's presence. Or at least lacking my understanding of what I cannot see. I can't see all of the time what the Spirit is doing, though I believe somewhere that the Spirit is always moving. When I think of all the things that the Spirit does without my understanding or doing, though, when I recall the life that the Spirit has given, not just to me, but to others, out of the love that the Spirit has for our souls, when I'm reminded of all the times I've come to the end of myself, that there is just no way I can continue on, and the Spirit just fills me again with a breath to continue on, I see better. I see better in that situation. I see the Lord, the giver of life. I feel the breath of God in my lungs once more. I see the breath of God creating and sustaining as the Spirit has always done since the beginning. I can't explain the Holy Spirit. I don't think any of us can, not even in 10 weeks or for the rest of our lives. We can fully explain. But we can believe, and I can believe, and I can believe because I have seen glimpses of what the life the Spirit brings. So what does it mean to say we believe in this Holy Spirit? I think it says a few things. To say we believe in the Spirit is to have peace, knowing that the Spirit resides in us. The same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead resides within us individually and as the church. To know that and to have the peace that no matter what, that presence is with us. To say we believe in the Spirit is to know who we are and whose we are because of the seal of adoption that the Spirit has given us. Even in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that we have been stamped forever. And we know we are sons and daughters because of that seal. To say we believe in the Spirit is to say we believe that the breath of God is still active. It's still going, giving life to Christians and the church all around. Even though we may not see that heartbeat with our own eyes, we know that it's still living. To say we believe in the Spirit is to trust that there is hope for life, even when darkness surrounds and we cannot fully see the Spirit's work just yet. And I would say even... To say we believe in the Holy Spirit is to believe in life and to enjoy it. That the Spirit gives life and also says, here it is in abundance and enjoy it. To say I believe in the Spirit says I believe in the life that God has given me to walk in. What I love about the Spirit the most is that the work and the wonders are never hidden to anyone who asks to see them. It is not hidden It is not mysterious in that way. The Spirit, the giver of life, loves to open eyes and fill lungs and do so much more for those who are willing to say, I just want a glimpse. I just want a sneak peek. So I encourage us to think about what does it mean for us to believe in this Holy Spirit, especially even just the week before Pentecost. What does it mean to believe in this Holy Spirit? 
What does it mean to live in this life that the Spirit has graciously poured out? And maybe, just maybe, we'll see all the life the Spirit has given us, all around us, in us, and maybe even through us. And with that, will you please pray with me? Spirit of God, give us eyes to see that you are still creating and sustaining, even when we do not fully see or understand. We are grateful for your presence, which inspires us to do your will and brings comfort to us and so much more. May your breath we take, every breath we take, be a gentle reminder of the life that you have filled us with and give us the courage to keep walking in it. We pray this in your name. Amen.